Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. It's week four now. We're starting to get rolling. It's starting to get into things. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And we'd like to give a quick thank you to North Texas Honda dealers. North Texas Honda dealers, they're here to help. Obviously, week three was just a an incredible week. I mean, we talked about it extensively on the last podcast on Sunday, but man, what what a week. I mean, TCU goes, gives Ohio State everything that they can handle, um, eventually lose 40 to 28, of course, but it was a much closer game than that. That really came down to one stretch. Texas hosts USC, ends up beating them very convincingly, 37 to 14. Uh, North Texas goes on the road, beats up on Arkansas, 44 to 17. I mean, it was a thrilling week. Alan Bowman, the Texas Tech quarterback, uh, he goes out, throws for a program freshman record 605 yards. I mean, again, <laughs> I was in the building when Patrick Mahomes threw for 598 yards as a freshman against Baylor. I mean, that was crazy. And the idea that he was beaten and against a defense that's typically pretty solid, it's crazy. So right now, I mean, the, the state of Texas right now is incredibly exciting. I, I mean, I don't know why you're, if you're not watching these games, I don't know what you're doing. I mean, the state right now is absolutely thrilling. And that only continues this week. I mean, we're going to talk about it extensively on the program, but Texas A&M, they have their second real test. You know, they have to prove that their performance against number two Clemson wasn't a fluke. They're going on the road to face off against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Again, that's an absolutely thrilling game. I mean, I'm very curious to see what happens there because a&M, again, they had a good performance against Clemson, but it was at home. It was with the with Kyle Field behind them. And again, it's easy to kind of get up for those games when you're at home, when nobody really believes in you. Now people are starting to kind of believe in them, right? I mean, they are, what, like four touchdown underdogs because Alabama's been absolutely massacring people. But this is a real test. I mean, Kellen Mond proved against Clemson that he has that kind of ability where he can make things happen both through the air with his feet. It doesn't matter at all. But now, can AM's line block? There's some worry that Eric McCoy, the offensive center, could be out. Uh, they think that he's going to play, but again, he's going to be limited, potentially. And going up against Alabama's defensive front seven. I mean, again, they have been massacring people. And and look, we've got a great show for you. We've actually got SB Nation's Bill Connolly on. He's the creator of the S&P Plus system, which rates kind of how teams uh, efficiency wise are performing and Alabama is number one and it's not really that close I mean <laughs> when they talk about S&P plus percentile they're in the 99.2 percent margin they're 35.7 ahead of Ohio State at number two 31.7 so Alabama is massacring people and that's been translating on the football field too uh, last week they play on the road against Ole Miss when 62 to 7 Earlier in the year, they beat Louisville 51-14. to I mean, Tua Tagovailoa, their, their star quarterback, has yet to play in a fourth quarter this season, and he already has 646 yards, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, is completing 72% of his passes, averaging 12.92 yards in attempt. And that's awfully concerning when you consider that Texas A&M's defensive secondary did struggle last week a little bit against ULM at times. They gave up a couple of big plays. You can't give up big plays against Alabama because Jerry Judy, their star wide receiver, he's going to make things happen. He's averaging 26.1 yards per reception, and he had a 79-yard touchdown. He already has six touchdowns. They've only played three games. I mean, look, Alabama's stacked everywhere on the dang football field, and Texas A&M, they're still a team that's kind of building, right? I mean, they're still trying to put things together. They're not supposed to win this game, but man, going on the road in Tuscaloosa, if they can put forward a good performance, that says so many good things. Because look, at least three games into the year, Alabama looks like on a completely different level than what Clemson is. And, and Clemson's played well, but they've had some issues offensively and kind of let teams stay in game so far. Alabama has not let anyone stay in any game so far this season. They've absolutely killed everybody that they've played. And again, Texas A&M is their first real test. I mean, again, Ole Miss, not very good this season. Louisville looks like they've taken a huge step back after losing Lamar Jackson. So Texas A&M will also be their first real test. But Oh, man, it's a terrifying task to have to play Alabama on the road at, uh, you know, in their home stadium. I mean, that's something that I don't envy anyone having to do. Um, but a ms up to the task. They have a coach that 
has proven that he can do it against the best teams in football. Uh, you know, obviously winning a national championship in 2013, winning 10 games a whole bunch of other times. So it's going to be a good test. I think that Kellen Mond's up for the test, you know, and we'll project the game later and make our picks. But man, that's going to be an exciting game. But that's not the only exciting game of the day. Texas plays against TCU, and TCU, of course, coming off of a crushing loss. Texas coming off of a huge win over USC. It's going to be an interesting uh, spot to see, you know, what Texas is the real Texas. Because TCU is, you know, what, probably the best defense that Texas played this season. It, yeah, I mean, I'd say they're the best defense that they played this season. And best team, of course. So Texas gets to host TCU, but Texas hasn't beaten TCU since the Horned Frogs joined the Big 12 back in 2012. They're, they're winless against them so far. And it's hard to see any reason why that changes, but that performance last week did bring a lot of hope. I mean, Sam Ellinger played under control. Uh, you know, he managed the game both as a passer and as a runner. Gary Patterson earlier this week called him a running back playing quarterback. And some people took that as an insult as that, oh, he can't throw the ball. He can only run. That I don't think that's what he meant. He meant that he's a guy who really is more of a running back in a lot of ways, who also has the abilities of a quarterback. So you have to adjust for him both as a a true running back almost, but also as a true quarterback. And that's a tough thing to do. I mean, Kansas State obviously has made a living on guys like that. And Ellinger's a better passer than most of the guys who come through K-State. So it's going to be an interesting test for TCU's defense. Um, and they the defense did prove that they can hang with almost anybody during the last week, you know, uh, playing against Dwayne Haskins in Ohio State's ferocious offense. And TCU only ends up giving up 33 offensive... Oh, no, actually 26 offensive points. I almost forgot. They had two defensive touchdowns, Ohio State did. So they only give up 26 points to an offense that had scored 77 points against a Power 5 opponent the week uh, two weeks prior, and 52, I want to say, the week before that. So, look, TCU has a tough task, but TCU, I think, is up to the challenge. It's going to be an interesting battle to see what exactly happens. Um, because, again, TCU's the better football team, but... Texas is playing in Austin. They're playing with a lot of confidence. They should have a lot of crowd support on Saturday after what happened last week against USC. And last, last week's game against USC was actually an attendance record. So you're talking about a program that's very excited about where they are right now. Even after losing to Maryland in week one, they're still optimistic about where they are. I think it's going to make for a great football game. Um, and I think that we're going to learn a lot about both teams this week. You know, whether TCU, if TCU can put Texas away, then all of a sudden I think it makes the rest of the path a whole lot easier. If TCU struggles and Texas is able to come away, come away with a win, all of a sudden Texas's you know trajectory maybe changes a little bit, and maybe you think of them like, hey, maybe they could be at least in contention for that uh, spot in the Big Twelve title game. You know, it's it's going to be hard for them to say that oh, we're the second best team in the country with the way that Oklahoma State has looked, with the way that West Virginia has looked, and of course the way that Oklahoma has looked. Uh, not to mention TCU, of course, but if Texas can beat TCU, move ahead of them in the standings, it makes things a little easier, right? And you just want to see progress this year from Texas. That, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Is you just want to see progress. Um, and I think that we've seen progress the last week, at least, and the first half, at least two weeks ago against Tulsa. But Texas needs to prove that they can not just get up for these big games against USC, but also get up for big games against conference opponents. Because again, we mentioned it, Texas has not beaten TCU since they've joined the Big 12. So at some point, you've got to do that. And will this be the Texas team that can finally do it? I don't really know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't really know. But it's going to be a tough test. Um, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. UNT, you know, they don't have a tough game this week. They travel on the road to play against Liberty. And Liberty did beat Old Dominion earlier in the year. So they've beaten a Conference USA opponent. But UNT is just a completely different level than Liberty. And again, when you start thinking about UNT, I mean, the schedule doesn't look that tough the rest of the way, right? I mean, obviously, the primary focus is, is winning Conference USA. Everything comes second to winning Conference USA. And right now, ESPN's Football Power Index gives them a 42.6% chance to win Conference USA over Florida Atlantic, of course. Um, their remaining strength of schedule is number 128 in the country because they've already played all their tough games with Arkansas and with SMU. Um, and their home slate is, you know, all their harder, harder games 
excuse me, are at home. You know, they play FAU at home on a Thursday. I'm going to make sure and beat it at, at that one. They play Southern Miss, who's, you know, sometimes kind of plucky. They play Louisiana Tech. They play them at home. And actually, if you look at if you look at the list, I mean, they only have one game that they have less than a 70% chance to win. And that's on the road against UAB. And UAB's only been back a couple of years. So, you know, UAB is a bowl-type team, but they shouldn't be able to hang with UNT. And then again, they're favored 76.7% against Florida Atlantic. They're favored 83.7% against Southern Miss. They're favored 71% against Louisiana Tech. They're favored 87.4% on the road against UTSA. And UTSA has had a brutal start to the season. I mean, and that's fair to say, you know, because their numbers are going to be artificially lowered because of who they played in the non-conference slates. You know, UTSA played against Baylor. They played against Kansas State. And they played against Arizona State. Three, you know, pretty decent Power 5 teams. And they got blown out in all of them. But, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a huge shock, right? I mean, UTSA is supposed to lose to those teams. It's okay that they lost to those teams. I don't think we know a ton about UTSA right now, but it sure looks like they're not in the same place where they were. So that's the last game of the year for UNT. Um, and again, along the way, there's not a whole lot of losses on that schedule. You know, I mean, again, UAB is the only one where they're favored less than 70%. And then, of course, you know, they lost pretty handily to Florida Atlantic last season. So you have to go out there and you have to beat a team that you haven't been able to beat with Lane Kiffin there. But Florida Atlantic hasn't necessarily looked all that impressive either. I mean, they lose the first week of the season against Oklahoma, 63-14. to They don't look very impressive against Air Force, 33-27, or Bethune-Cookman, 49-28. to So, again, I mean, everything is in UNT's grasp right now. I mean, they're poised to have one of their best seasons ever, if they can stay focused. And, and I was out in Denton yesterday on Tuesday, uh, you know, just talking to Seth Luttrell, a couple of players, Mason Fine, Keegan Brewer, who had that amazing play <laughs> you know I, I'm sure everybody's seen this play by now you know the the fake fair catch if you want to call it that they did not want to call it that because they didn't want to think that they didn't want anyone to think that they were deceiving anyone it was just a, a kick a punt return to them but a fake fair catch um you know they fool Arkansas's special teams unit they get them to stop and then Keegan Brewer just takes off running down the field I mean, there's some crazy stories. Obviously, he appeared on Sports Center. He appeared on Sports Illustrated. He appeared on SB Nation. He appeared on Inside Edition, apparently, which is a UNT football player appearing on Inside Edition is one of the weirdest stories that, that I could have been told before this season. I don't know if I would have believed you if I had said that any conference USA football player would appear on Inside Edition before this season, much less one playing at the University of North Texas. But you know, they're really rolling as a program right now because, again, they're 3-0 with three dominant victories, like not even close victories, again, including against Arkansas and including against uh, historical rival SMU. Um, but, you know, they, they're building a new indoor practice facility and they just got a $2.5 million donation uh, from a private donor, which is the biggest in the history of the athletic department. So UNT is doing a good job of taking what's happened on the field and trying to leverage it into more. You know, Ren Baker, their athletic director, I want to say that he was from Missouri before, and he was kind of in line to become the athletic director potentially down the road, uh, but he leaves take the UNT job, um, you know, and he's done just a fantastic job with that program. Because you, you talk about Latrell, obviously that's huge, uh, but then you also talk about Grant McCaslin, the basketball coach. You know, they're really rolling as an athletic department right now. Um, and again, you have to have success for any of this to be possible. I mean, that's that's the bare minimum, is you have to have success. But they're having success, and they're turning it into more. And look, I think that UNT as a program and as a job is going to fundamentally be a different thing than when Seth Luttrell took over because of the efforts of some of these guys out here. I think that UNT is in a great spot right now. I think they're in a great spot to to make some noise, do something special. And, and again, that's a good sign, and you really... Look, we over at Dave Campbell Sex Football don't have favorites. We're not fans, but you know what? We want, we're kind of fans when it comes to the state of Texas, right? When there are more good teams in the state of Texas, we're better off, you're better off, and it's exciting, right? I mean, there are 12 uh, Power Five, so excuse me, 12 FBS teams in this, in this state of Texas. And look, right now, not very many of them are very good. And we talked to Bill Connolly about this a little bit, you know, very soon. 
But four of the bottom six teams in the S&P Plus rankings are Texas teams. And just for people who don't know, uh, the S&P Plus rankings are a ranking that basically tries to take a snapshot of where a team is right now. There's some predictive metrics that go into it. There's some performance metrics. You can actually read all about it on SBNation.com. It's it's a fantastic metric. Uh, or Football Outsiders. And we'll include a, a link to it, you know, somewhere in the, in the notes, maybe. But this S&P Plus metric is a really thorough one, one that does a good job of understanding teams' efficiencies, both on offense, defense, and special teams. And right now, it's a little concerning that four of the bottom six teams in Texas, or in the nation, are from Texas. <laughs> because, again, that's not a spot that, that this, this state is used to being in. I mean, again, you have programs like Georgia State are ahead of all four of these teams, talking of, about Rice, Texas State, UTSA, and UTEP. It's kind of brutal right now. And that'll change when there's a little bit more data. I mean, I think that Rice has showed a lot of upside. Rice has really showed a lot of upside. I mean, they they play Houston extremely tough. You know, they, they do struggle a little bit in week two, but they show the upside to be a pretty dang good football team. And, and it might not happen now. But it'll happen down the road. And look, again, I mean, Hawaii is a tough place to play. Houston's a tough team to play. They do beat Prairie View A&M. And their win is probably the least impressive thing on their, on their schedule. It's, it's really, it's one bad win and then two good losses. So, again, the, the state of Texas is in a weird place when it comes to football. And, and we'll talk to Bill Connolly extensively about that. But, you know, again, I think that... Whenever the teams in the state of Texas are good, I think that football is better for it. And that's not where we are right now. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and bring on SB Nation's Bill Connolly to talk about those lower teams in the state, the upper teams in the state. Why exactly is Texas A&M so much higher than TCU just for losing to Clemson? It's a great conversation and we're really looking forward to hearing it. So we will be right back with you after the break. Joining us now, we have a very special guest. We have SB Nation's Bill Connolly over here to help talk to us a little bit about the group of five. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks again for joining the program. Uh, you know, we're big fans of Podcast Ain't Played Nobody, of his work over at SB Nation. Uh, you know, I we in the office refer to this as the only good college football podcast, so just just so you know. <laughs> but, I, I, have, I, I know others there. We're... we're... We're in good company, but thank you. <laughs> well, anyway, you know, I, I thought that we could go ahead and, and do the most PAP anything ever and talk about four of the bottom six teams in your in your S&P Plus ranking. So the state of Texas right now, not doing so hot. So, you know, there are 130 teams of course in the FBS. UTEP's number 130. Rice is number 128. UTSA is number 127. And Texas State is number 125. Um you know, Bill, why do you think that these Texas teams have been struggling so much in your rankings? Well, I mean, part of it's timing. UTEP's obviously starting over. Rice is starting over. Um, you know, the UTSA being as low as they are is a little bit surprising to me. I know they had to, to replace quite a bit from last year, but it was still, I, I expected a little more than what I've seen so far this year. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if, it, if there's any, you know, overriding kind of theme going on here or if it's just that a few teams and hard jobs uh, are, are you know making life really hard for their coaches at the moment I, I don't know if there's anything more to it than that well you know when, when a team appears close to the bottom of your rankings you know obviously you know it's, it means that they're not necessarily a very good team but what sort of factors is it taking into account when it puts a team like UTSA for example at the bottom well, this early in the year, obviously, it's um, it's going to have a decent amount to do with preseason projections. Um, you, it, three games in, you just don't know all that much about a given team, so you're leaning pretty heavily on those projections. But then, you know, uh, three games in, you've you've at least started to to break in. And the reason why uh, UTSA is is dropping like they are, uh, 127th at the moment, mainly is because. I mean, they've got almost the least efficient offense or defense, excuse me, in the country right now. now they've played three P5 teams, um, so opponent adjustments will help with that a little bit. But uh, they've just they have no big plays on offense, and they uh, are, are giving up six yards anytime you want them on defense, and that's a pretty 
<laughs> that's a pretty bad combination. And plus, you know, this doesn't factor into the the rankings, but I mean, they've had a lot going against them overall. Their their turnovers luck is pretty drastic at the moment. Um, they they've probably lost I don't know at least four or five points a game just to to, to bad bounces and whatnot. But they really aren't doing themselves any favors whatsoever on. Uh, on defense and they don't have all that long to start figuring things out before the schedule gets really hard again. Yeah. Well, you know, like you mentioned, uh, rice, they're a team that's really rebuilding right now. UTEP's really a team that's rebuilding right now. Texas state though, you know I mean? Everett Withers is in his third season. Uh, is it surprising you to see them still kind of down there? Did you expect that there would be a little bit more progress? Yeah. I mean, we uh, talked a little bit about that today on, uh, on PAPN actually, we, um, I, they started to things up on one side of the ball. Um, but only one. And, uh, the offense just really hasn't ever gotten going at all. Uh, the defense does, I mean, it's not a good defense, but it's not a terrible defense. They started to figure some things out last year. They brought back, uh, you know, a majority of the reasons for that at last year's improvement. And they, they're, uh, you know, they're getting aggressive on defense. They're able to, to kind of force some more three and out to give them a big plays in the process, but that's fine. I mean, they, they, they seem to be developing a defensive identity. The offense just hasn't ever gotten going since withers showed up and and you figure you know at some point you run out of time uh if he if he doesn't figure that out pretty soon well let's go ahead and move up a little bit uh, not too much further up though to smu uh smu last year obviously they were a bowl team they were a pretty good team uh you know obviously sunny dykes has come in here taking over for chad morris uh what have you seen from them and and why do you think they've struggled so much the first three weeks well, right now, I mean, going back to that efficiency idea, I mean, they're, they're obviously, I mean, Ben Hicks is, is not completing uh, even slightly high percentage of passes. The passing game really hasn't, for all the, you know, the, the Chad Morris and the, the Sonny Dykes, that kind of offense is known for high, higher completion rates and whatnot, but some of them just not working. And, and we know that they had a, a, a brand new receiving core coming into the year, or at least they lost their top two guys, uh, Quinn and Sutton, who are very, very good, obviously. Uh, and it just hasn't really happened. Uh, James Proch, I guess, is doing solid work by all means. Um, but everybody else is, is, is struggling, it, it appears. And so, um, with, you know, in that offense, when you can't pass, uh, you can't really lean on the run. It's not designed to, to, to happen that way. Plus, the run game kind of stinks as well. Uh, they are dead last in my standard downs efficiency on offense at the moment. And, and you know, when you play Michigan that, and TCU, that's going to happen. Uh, North Texas as well is, is pretty solid in that regard or decent in that regard at least. But, it, it, yeah, they just haven't uh, even slightly got going offensively. Um, just, I, I mean, honestly, scoring 20 points against Michigan, I think, was a sign of, of progress. So maybe that is a sign that you're, you're taking steps forward. It's more than I expected them to, to score against Michigan anyway. Well, you mentioned them. I mean, let's for a second, you know, talk about some positivity. North Texas right now, obviously, you know, they start 3-0. and They go on the road, beat Arkansas. Uh, you know, when you start to look down the schedule, I mean, do you think that this team has a real chance to not just win Conference USA, but maybe even compete for that uh, New Year's Six slot? Uh, I mean, obviously, that's going to depend a lot on the AAC. Obviously, it's going to depend on uh, how Boise State finishes. I would assume that those teams are, even with Boise State's loss last week, I would assume that those teams are kind of ahead of the pecking order a little bit. But they're, they're as of now, projected favorites in every single game the rest of the way. You can't really ask for much more than that. Conference USA is just is not good at the moment. It's, uh, it, it is easily the worst conference in terms of the average S and P plus rating. There's a lot, there are lots of teams at the bottom teams like, uh, you know, North Texas, Marshall, Florida, Atlantic, still pretty good, even though they don't appear to be quite as good or not yet anyway, as they were last year. Uh, but the bottom is really, really, really bad. And I think it's, you know, they, they it's what they're, they're favored in every game. And that's great. They're going to have to win by healthy margins in every game to keep the committee's attention in that regard. And just knowing how the, Playoff committee tends to work. Just the the act of playing a UTEP or a, or an Old Dominion or if UTSA really is that poor UTSA, um, they get forgotten no matter how badly they beat them. So it's it's a it's an uphill uh, uphill battle here. But there's no question that they've got a very very good shot at uh, double digit wins or even you know eleven or twelve. Well, this time last year, obviously UTSA was kind of coming into the season into the conference USA slate looking like maybe a conference USA contender. Uh, and this year, obviously, they lose Davenport, they lose Dalton Sturm, a whole bunch of other pieces. Um, and, and Frank Wilson was always kind of thought to be a guy who had his eyes on bigger things. Do you think that maybe Wilson might have missed his chance with the way that they ended last year? Um, well, I, I don't know if he was going to, you know, he, being his only his second year to begin with, I don't know how many 
if that window is open very wide, even if they finished better and all that last year. But, um, I mean, there's no question. They had uh, an iffy offense, but a very, very good defense last year. They lost Davenport. They lost most of their, their back seven, really, or back eight or whatever. Um, and, and then their offense was starting over as well. So we knew it would be – I mean, it was easy to, to kind of figure that they would uh, take a step back this year. They've taken a few steps back, and, um, you know, they it's going to take them a little while. Now, whatever answers they come up with, they're mostly going to you – know, the, the guys who are, are, are playing right now are mostly underclassmen or at least juniors. So uh, maybe they can kind of start putting things together again next year. But it does appear that this is a, uh, a more steep rebuild than maybe we thought uh, at first. You know, I kind of want to go actually up to the top of your rankings a little bit. Um, you know, so Texas A&M, they sit at number 12 right now. TCU sits at number 25. So it was kind of interesting because it looked like um, just based on the movement and things like that, that Texas A&M was really rewarded for their performance against Clemson and TCU was kind of yep. dinged for losing. You know, what, what's kind of the discrepancy between those two things? Well, Clemson, I mean, Texas A&M, so one of the things I I do that I think kind of helps in the stat profiles I provide and everything is I provide a number called post-game win expectancy, which basically takes all the the key stats from a given game, the stats that end up going into the S&P Plus rankings and basically say, like, toss them all up in the air, they land slightly different, you could have expected to win this game X percent of the time. Um, and I think that, you know, just looking at the score is one thing, but this this number kind of fills in the blanks a lot in terms of how well you really played or did you outplay your opponent, whatever. Uh, for Texas A&M against Clemson, that number was, they, they had a 60% post-game win expectancy. So it was basically a toss-up game, slightly in A&M's favor, they win it more often than not, um, which, I mean, of course, is going to reflect very, very well on you. TCU did fall back a couple spots. Their, their post-game win expectancy against Ohio State was 37%. So, it, I mean, it was... Uh, by all means, a respectable performance, but uh, you know that kind of at least tells you a little bit about why that uh, performance against Clemson was better or uh, seen as better than the the performance against Ohio State was, and, and why. Uh, and, and again, like teams moving up or down slightly at this stage in the game, there are a million factors going in. So it's not as simple as saying this game is why you moved up or down, uh, but that does uh, fill in at least one blank there. Well, one team that's kind of been uh, floating around a little bit is Texas, of course. You know, Texas does pick up a big win over USC, but USC's kind of struggled in the rankings, too. You know, they're down to number 39. Uh, You know, obviously, I'm sure that Texas was penalized quite a bit for their performance against Maryland. You know, will they be able to kind of fight back up in these rankings or will sort of that uh, those early season struggles maybe come back to bite them? Yeah, I mean, second straight year, Maryland plays really well against Texas and then really nobody else. Um, and so that's going to, you know, almost artificially kind of drag you down a little bit. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, right now, though, I think their defense is fine. Even against Maryland, they give up 34 points, but it's only like five yards per play. Um, it, it was mostly in control there. They just uh, couldn't, they continued to, to shoot themselves in the butt offensively. Um, you know, I, I think it's probably the biggest thing I have with, with Tom Herman right now. Uh, the biggest questions I have is that, I mean, he coaches two different teams, the underdog team, when he gets to, to really wear that kind of, nobody expects us to win, blah, blah, blah hat. Uh, his Tom Herman teams play wonderfully as underdogs. And even though they were slight favorites, uh, favorites against USC, you could see how they could get that underdog mojo going in, in a big game like that, just like they probably will against Oklahoma, just like they probably will against TCU. Uh, but the, the other team, the team that really is expected to win comfortably, even his second year at Houston, you know, they, they beat Oklahoma. They destroy uh, Louisville. They lose to SMU. They, they really struggle to kind of keep a, a certain steady level of motivation. And it's like, he's coaching two different teams. So in the coming weeks, I mean, they get TCU, they get Oklahoma a couple weeks after that. I would assume that a good Texas team is going to show up in those games. It's just, does it show up against Baylor? Does it show up at K state where obviously Texas has had problems before? Um, that's been the biggest issue for me with Tom Herman and, and we'll see how well he can kind of navigate through that. Obviously, this show is very Texas-centric, but, you know, looking at the Big 12, uh, you know, you have Oklahoma right now at number nine. Oklahoma State's really fought up to number six. There are a couple of other teams, you know, West Virginia at 15 in that range. Does Oklahoma have sort of a true challenger this year? Well, I mean, early indications suggest so. With West Virginia, the biggest thing heading into the season I, I was really concerned about with West Virginia was depth. Uh, I mean, we got a kind of a hint of that last year at the end of the year. They lose one player. I mean, granted, it's their star quarterback, but they lose one player, and they go from a top 30-level team to basically a bottom 30-level team. Um, and, I, and just looking at who's returning and who's not, it just seemed like depth on both sides of the ball was a pretty significant issue. Now, early in the year, 
you haven't had many injuries. Uh, your depth really isn't uh, in question at all, you, and, and you perform pretty well. That all makes sense. But I want to see how West Virginia carries forward. If they start losing some players here or there to injury, I want to see how, how they can keep that up. But the level they're playing at currently, yeah, they're absolutely a, a, a title, at least a title game contender, if not a title contender. And, and I think that will continue for at least a little bit. Oklahoma State, you know, I, I, it was kind of funny. Like we, we, we kind of made it seem like that, you know, they're going to fall off a cliff or something after losing Mason Rudolph and James Washington as if they haven't had other star quarterbacks and other star receivers and they haven't been eight, nine, 10, 11 win level good for like a decade now. Um, and I think what they've shown earlier this year is this, they're still that. Uh, they're a little more aggressive on defense now. Jim Knowles is uh, kind of known for that. Uh, he, he really uh, found some good buttons to push at Duke by getting a little more aggressive and it seems like he's got the ends to do that. I think six is a little high. I assume they fall back a little bit now, um, but they played wonderfully against a good Boise State team. They've matched the challenges they've had, and so I think at this point you've got at least three to four teams that could, with the right momentum and injuries, luck, and everything else, make a, a, a nice run at the title, and, and, and so not just Oklahoma at this point. Last question. So Texas A&M, they traveled to Tuscaloosa this weekend to face off against number one Alabama. Is there any way in heck that they, that they have a shot in that game? I mean, there's always a shot. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, they, the way Alabama has been playing on offense, makes it makes them kind of seem untouchable now. Especially with the fact that I mean, A&M's in a situation where they they have also been kind of successfully aggressive. They're going to want to try to figure out how to put pressure on to attack of a low end. That's great. Except when you if you try it and you don't succeed, uh, you're getting gashed. And Alabama, and I think what we've seen pretty clearly, uh, Tua's got great vision. He keeps his eyes downfield. He's going to make the big plays when he has a chance to and you just kind of assume that that kind of snowballs after a while i think you know just set the line at the at the spread right now like if they can cover if they can go to alabama and cover only lose by 14 17 20 points that's another step in the right direction for that program but right now i mean alabama's kind of at a different level i'd be impressed if they can if it's still a, a decent game in the fourth quarter well that's sb nation's bill Connolly. bill how can we follow you do you have anything to plug <laughs> Um, well, I mean, podcast ain't playing nobody's a good start, but yeah, you can catch all, all the things I do at SBN underscore Bill C on Twitter. Yeah. Well, again, this is a look, if you can listen to only one college football podcast, <laughs> listen to this one, but if you have to listen to another one, <laughs> podcast ain't played nobody's a move. Bill, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And we're back. Now we're ready to go make some picks. Week four of the Texas college football season. It's a fantastic week of games. And we don't have any time. We got to get right into it. Last week, we went seven and three. I picked that USC was going to beat Texas, and I was wrong about that. I had faith in Baylor to beat Duke. I was wrong about that. And I actually picked Houston to beat Texas Tech. But, of course, the Red Raiders showed a lot of great signs, both on offense. Well, Really on offense, not really as much on defense, but uh, showed a lot of great signs, end up beating Houston. Still very optimistic about both of those teams heading forward. So now we're up to 24-6 and six on the year after a perfect 10-0 and 0 <laughs> week two slate. But let's see how we do this week. I mean, there's going to be some really tough picks in this one. And let's get underway. SMU hosts the Navy Midshipmen. 11 a.m. on ESPN News. Oof, ESPN News. <laughs> That's kind of brutal, but at least it's nationally televised. Last week, SMU lost 45-20 to to Michigan to fall to 0-3, but it was a pretty encouraging performance. Uh, the interesting situation is that third-year starter Ben Hicks, again, he started, I think, 27 straight games. He could lose the starting job after his performance the first three weeks of the season. He's only completing about 47% of his passes. He's thrown a pair of pick-six this season. Um, you know, he threw a critical one against Michigan heading into the half because otherwise SMU would have only been down 14 to seven, but that makes it 21 to seven. And then when you come out in the second half, SMU starts William Brown, the true freshman, <laughs> and he looks pretty dang good. He leads a pair of touchdown drives. He has, I think, 42 rushing yards. So we don't even necessarily know who's going to be starting on Saturday for SMU, but I think that is probably going to be Brown, but, but we'll have to wait and see. Navy, on the other hand, beat Lehigh last week 51-21, to and the week before actually beat Memphis 22-21 to too, a very good Memphis team. So Navy's kind of rolling right now. I mean, they're always very good, obviously, under uh, head coach Ken Niamatololo. I think that Navy ends up pulling it off 35-28. to um, I just don't think that SMU is going to be able to stop that triple option attack consistently enough. 
Uh, I do think that Brown's a starter, and I think he shows some encouraging signs. But eventually, I think SMU ends up losing 35 to 28. Next up, we've got Baylor hosting Kansas, 2.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Last week, Baylor lost 40-27 to to Duke, as we mentioned. Very unimpressive display. Uh, and at this point, it sounds like, like Baylor's going to stick with the two-quarterback system, which isn't the greatest sign. I mean, Charlie Brewer has generally outplayed uh, Jalen McClendon, but... Matt Rule has declined to name him the starter, and and I think that it's really killed a lot of offensive drives, just the inconsistency, bringing in guys, jerking them around, um, and defensively, obviously. I mean, when you give up 40 points, it's a lot more than just, <laughs> you know, it's a lot more than just offensive issues. And, and one was a pick six, but, you know, still 33 offensive points to a team that's not necessarily explosive. And now you're facing off against Kansas with new star freshman running back Puka Williams. Kansas actually has won both games that Puka Williams has played so far, and he's been absolutely tremendous the first two weeks of the season for Kansas. Uh, like we said, I mean, last week they beat Rutgers 55-17. to Real, Or, excuse me, 55-14. to It doesn't even look close. Through the first two weeks of the year, against Central Michigan on the road, their first road win since 2009. 14 carries for 125 yards, two touchdowns for Puka Williams. And then last week against Rutgers... Their first win against a Power 5 team since 2016, the Texas Longhorns. 18 carries for 158 yards and a touchdown. And in those two games, they're outscoring people by a combined 86-21. to Now, Central Michigan and Rutgers are not very good. I mean, Rutgers, <laughs> I guess it's decided, is officially the worst Power 5 team in America. But still, to beat them 55-14, to have your way with them. Um, I mean, again, Kansas is playing very well right now and I think that ultimately that's going to make this a far more interesting game than it really should be now at the same time last week Baylor beat itself I mean Baylor really really did beat itself I, I think that um, for a lot of the game they outplayed Duke but it was just these big plays that they gave up these critical mistakes like the pick six that really put the game away and Duke's such a disciplined team that they took advantage and they made things happen I don't think that Kansas has that same ability to uh, to not beat itself. I think that Kansas is definitely a type of team that beats itself. So I think that Baylor will make some terrible plays. I think that Kansas will make some terrible plays, uh, self-inflicted plays. And I think that ultimately it comes down to that Baylor has more talent, more weapons. Uh, you know, if, if Brewer is consistently the starting quarterback, better quarterback play. And I think that Baylor eventually wins 34 to 24, but I think... Heading into the fourth quarter, I think this one's very, very much up in the air. So I think that that just about covers the nine and a half point spread that I think that Baylor's favored by. It's going to be an ugly game. Uh, not really looking forward to that one. UNT travels to go face Liberty in Virginia, 5 p.m. on ESPN3. Again, UNT should be a pretty big favorite heading into this game. They beat Arkansas last week, 44 to 17. They are, they're obviously off to a 3-0 start to the season. Liberty, on the other hand, lost to Army last week, 38-14, uh, and might have had a game canceled, too, actually, by, by the Storm. So they're, I believe, 1-1 one one on the year. You know, I don't know why I'm just saying this. I mean, I have, <laughs> I have the internet in front of me. I mean, we're able to look this stuff up. Uh, let's see. Yes, their game against... NSU was canceled last week. So actually the game against Army was actually on September 8th. So they've, of course, uh, started one and one so far. Their loss to Army was very convincing. And look, at this point, I think UNT is clearly a better team than Army. And UNT is going to beat them handily. I think that Liberty is going to be able to move the ball a little bit, but they'll make some critical mistakes. I think that UNT ends up capitalizing and winning 48-21. to it's going to be a little ugly, but I think that Mason Fine is going to be able to get going again because he didn't have the greatest game last week. He only completed about half of his passes, and that's very unfine-like. So I think that this week the offense gets going more than the defense because the defense has taken the center stage the first three weeks of the season. But I think that UNT wins handily 48-21 to on the road. Next up is... Oof. Oof. UTEP hosting New Mexico State. 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time, by the way, on ESPN3. Both these teams are winless so far this season. 
So somebody has to pick up a win. Uh, UTEP obviously has lost 15 straight games dating back to the 2016 season. Last week, they lose 24-0 to the Tennessee Volunteers at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. Um, they showed some signs defensively, and they showed absolutely zero signs offensively. Now, New Mexico State hasn't exactly been better. They lost 42-25 to last week to New Mexico. Um, they haven't been impressive to open the year, losing to Wyoming, Minnesota, Utah State. Oh, and they're actually 0-4 and New Mexico. They, they played an early game as well. So... Neither team, <laughs> neither team has been very impressive, but at the same time, New Mexico State has played a tougher schedule, I'd say, and I think that UTEP is just hopeless offensively right now. They don't have anything that they can bank on. They can't run, they can't throw, they can't block. I mean, they can't really do anything right now. So I think that New Mexico State ultimately ends up winning this game 28-17. to Next, we travel to the Battle of I-35, UTSA versus Texas State, 6 p.m. on ESPN+. And these two teams do not like each other, UTSA and Texas State. Uh, UTSA coming off a loss to Kansas State. They've started 0-3 this season, played three Power 5 teams so far, as we mentioned, Arizona State, Baylor, and Kansas State. So an 0-3 start isn't necessarily anything, you know, I mean, you're supposed to lose those three games, potentially. You're maybe even supposed to lose them by a pretty significant margin. So I don't think we know anything about UTSA as yet. Uh, Texas State, they blew a big lead, a 15-point lead against South Alabama and gave up 25 straight points in the fourth quarter, or in the third and fourth quarter of the second half, including a pick six by, uh, by Texas State's backup quarterback, Tyler Vitt. It was a very unimpressive display against South Alabama. I mean, again, there aren't that many wins on Texas State's schedule. I think you have to capitalize when you can. So far this season, both of these teams have not been able to score at all. That's really been the big issue for both of them. I think Willie Jones III is the best offensive player in this game, but he seems to be a little bit limited after suffering what appeared to be cramps last week against South Alabama where he went out for a bit. And if Jones can't run... I, I don't know what exactly either team is able to do very well. UTSA defensively has been absolutely awful through three games, but they've also played against three Power 5 opponents. I think that that's more likely to move down to the mean than anything. UTSA, I think, just across the board is a better football team. Not by a lot, but I think they're better. Uh, it helps, obviously, that they're playing at home. Um, I think that everybody's going to be out for this game. Texas State, I just think that defensively, they're all right. And offensively, they're pretty bad. And I think that's going to ultimately play out. I'm taking UTSA to win 24-17. to Next up, moving over to the Power 5, Texas Tech travels to Stillwater, Oklahoma to play Oklahoma State University. Oklahoma State is streaking right now. They beat number 17 Boise State 44-21 to last week. Absolutely dominated them. Uh, the defense has looked so much better. But Texas Tech, I mean, they're going to be one of the most fearsome offenses that Oklahoma State has to play this season. Last week, they beat a pretty good Houston team, 63-49. to And Alan Bowman is here, the true freshman quarterback from Grapevine, Texas. 605 yards, five touchdowns in his third career game, only second career start, and first start against, a against an FBS opponent. 605 yards in his first start against an FBS opponent. Not bad, Alan Bowman. Not bad at all. Ultimately, though, I do think that Oklahoma State is the better overall team. Texas Tech, I mean, just to go on aside for a second, you know, I think Texas Tech has really raised their ceiling with their performance first three weeks of the year. I know that they really, really struggled against Ole Miss, but they absolutely locked down uh, Lamar in week two of the season. And then week three of the season, you know, they struggle a little bit to contain Houston's offense, but they just absolutely dominate. Dazon Henry also deserves a lot of credit. Antoine Wesley, the wide receiver, has a huge, huge, huge game. So all of a sudden, these playmakers are starting to come around for Texas Tech. Defensively, I think they have some upside. You know, this was what was supposed to be the improvement coming into the year. You bring back Dakota Allen and Deshaun Johnson. It's supposed to be that improvement. Hasn't happened so far this season, but I think it'll, it'll help. But it won't help in this game. Oklahoma State, I think, is just too good. They can pass the ball downfield. They have fantastic wide receivers. And Justice Hill 
is arguably a top five running back in the entire country. So Oklahoma State takes it, I think, 48 to 28. But I think that Texas Tech shows some encouraging signs. Bowman looks really, really good. And again, the bar is raised, I think, and, and that's a good sign. Rice travels to Southern Miss at 6 p.m. on ESPN+. Last week, Rice had a bye after uh, traveling to Hawaii two weeks earlier, where they lost 43-29. to But like we mentioned earlier in the show, I think that Rice has a bad win and two good losses. And I think that's going to continue this week. But Southern Miss isn't exactly all that special either. Last week, a game against App State was postponed. But the week before, they lost to ULM 21-20. to ULM, not a great team right now. And look, I'm really high on what Rice is doing. I mean, again, I think that they played very, very well the last two weeks that they've played against Hawaii and in a, in a game against Houston where they, funnily enough, were in control for the first half. And then in the second half, you know, Houston's offense figures it out. D.R. King goes crazy. But I think that there's something there at Rice. Emmanuel Asupka at running back, Tyler Stankovich at quarterback, Mike Bloomgroom, the head coach, obviously the former offensive coordinator at Stanford. I don't know. I think there's something there. And I think we see it this week. I'm picking Rice to win 24 to 21. Rice, don't do me wrong now. <laughs> but yeah, I think the Rice Owls do ultimately find a way to win. It's going to be a low scoring game, but I think that Rice is going to be able to make enough plays to win. They've looked really good. I think that they're finding their identity. Coming off of the bye, I think that they're ready to go. And I think they take care of business. Now to the biggest games of the weekend. We're going to start with Texas versus TCU. Texas, of course, last week beat number 22 USC 37 to 14 in Austin. And TCU last week lost to number four Ohio State 40 to 28 in a game that was much closer than the final score. Now, Texas is streaking right now, but what are they? You know, we talked about it earlier in the show, but what are they? Are they a team that will contend for the Big 12? Are they a team full of four and five stars that can out-talent people? I think that TCU proved last week that talent isn't going to get it done against them, you know, because TCU really did outplay Ohio State, arguably the second most talented team in America behind Alabama. They outplayed them for a good, what, 52 minutes? And those eight minutes ultimately ended up being the difference. You know, obviously with a four-minute stretch in the fourth quarter, or in the third quarter, excuse me, and obviously the start to the game when they went down 10-0. to But I don't know. You know, I don't know. TCU looks like a legit Big 12 title contender. They look like they're fast enough to hang with any amount of talent. I don't think that Texas is going to be able to out-talent them because TCU has proven that their talent not only is talented, but works hard too. I think that TCU really makes a statement in this game. I think they go to Austin and basically shut down Sam Ellinger and the Texas offense. And I I think that their offense does struggle to get things moving a little bit. Maybe Sean Robinson has a, you know, big interception, maybe another pick six. I mean, gosh, he allowed two off uh, two defensive touchdowns to Ohio state that were directly Sean Robinson's fault in the last game. And Texas has the playmakers to be able to do something like that. But I think TCU wins fairly easily 28-14 to in Austin. And we're going to wrap it up with Texas A&M traveling to face off against the number one team in America, the Alabama Crimson Tide. 2.30 p.m. on CBS. Last week, Texas A&M does beat ULM 48-10. to But, man. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but this Alabama team is rolling. They're absolutely dominant right now. I mean, it, it might be one of the most dominant stretches to start a season that we've really ever seen. And look, obviously, I mean, they're very talented. They, they can just beat teams by grinding them into a pulp. But my God, Tua Tagovailoa has only played six, uh, you know, really, what, the first half mostly of three games into the third quarter of some of them, but he's never played a fourth quarter as yet. And he's still got 646 yards, 72% completions, 13 yards per attempt, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, a 233.3 quarterback rating, a 98.7 raw QBR. Look, all these numbers don't necessarily mean anything, but they're all just meant to say Tua Tagovailoa is living up to the hype at least through three games. And Texas A&M secondary, 
didn't look so good last week against ULM. And, and really, even against Clemson, a lot of their best plays were, were big plays. You know, they were, when they were able to get to the second level, Clemson was able to cause some havoc. And that's really concerning going against the absolute monster that Alabama has. Running back Najee Harris, Damian Harris, wide receiver Jerry Judy. I mean, they're able to score in all sorts of ways. And I think that Texas A&M's offense is going to be able to get some things moving. And, and I think that's going to be huge for them. I don't think that they're as bad as Louisville offensively, of course. I don't think they're as bad as Ole Miss offensively, of course. You know, and, and Ole Miss is an impressive offense, but I think that Texas A&M is a much more balanced, complex, you know, I think it's a real offense. I think it's a real offense that can compete with anybody in the country. Alabama's going to win this game. I mean, it's really hard to see Alabama not winning this game. But I think that Texas A&M is going to make it a little more interesting than it should be. I think that Alabama wins 49-24, to but I think that Texas A&M is able to get some good offensive drives in, make some big defensive plays, show some progress. And look, I, again, I really think that Alabama is just a head above Clemson. I mean, Clemson's a top five type of team, but I think that Alabama is a number one type of team. I mean, I think they're absolutely dominant. Not that they can play offense at a high level. I mean, it's unfair. <laughs> it's, right? it's, it's unfair. Like, Nick Saban goes and sees Kirby Smart go to Georgia, have some early success, and he's like, no, 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 no. No, that's not happening. <laughs> We're going to be the best team on offense and defense in America. So far, that's basically been the case. I mean, they're absolutely dominant so far. But I think that Texas A&M shows a lot of signs, proves that they can compete with Alabama, doesn't get embarrassed like Ole Miss did last week, does eventually lose the ballgame 49-24, though. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoy the show, please let us know. You can follow me on Twitter at Shahan J. Raja. You can follow our accounts on Twitter at DCTF for Dave Campbell Sex Football. We'd like to give another quick thank you to North Texas Honda dealers. North Texas Honda dealers, they're here to help. They're always helpful to us. We really, really, really appreciate them. And folks, this is going to be an exciting week of football. I mean, it's really going to be an exciting week of football. Um, there's so many good games on. Obviously, conference play gets underway in a lot of the country. Now the games are going to start to matter more than ever. I mean, again, what more can you ask for? These games are going to have an impact on the conference title race. We're ready to go. We're all the way ready to go. And folks, we will be back with you on Sunday to talk all about it. To talk about potentially UNT's big win. Texas A&M's big performance, the winner of Texas versus TCU. Who knows? Anything can happen. It's college football, and that's why we love it. Anyway, folks, if you like the show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever your preferred podcast app. Give us a five-star review. Tell your friends about the show. We really love when everybody is part of the show, when we can interact with you guys. And we'll be back with you on Sunday to discuss this week's games. For SB Nation's Bill Connolly, I'm Shahan J. Raja from Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Thank you so much for listening.